0: Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, we'll be doing our player spotlight on John Thompson, Coach John Thompson Jr. We will cover him, his early life, his high school days, his days at Providence, as well as his brief time in the NBA, as well as him starting to coach at high school, and his time at Georgetown up into the... Patrick Ewing years, so just sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Okay guys, so we are in the midst of Black History Month. So that means player spotlights on uh, several very integral uh, figures in the Terms of social justice and racial justice and so forth. We so far have done Kareem Abdul Jabbar. We did Oscar Robinson. Now we are on a giant of a man uh, known as Big John to the Celtics. He was known as the caddy. I'm talking about John Thompson Jr., Coach John Thompson of Georgetown fame of course so he was six foot ten 125 pounds during his playing days he played between a power forward and a center as a player but he's well renowned for his coaching acumen so let's get into it guys shall we so John Thompson was born in on September 2nd 1941 in washington the washington dc area and he was born John Robert Thompson jr so his parents were devout Catholics they were john Robert Th- Thompson senior and he was a laborer. He worked in a textile factory. Uh, the man got up 5 a.m. Uh, each day for work without an alarm clock. That's uh, that's saying something, guys. So, and then his mother Anna, she was a trained educator, but was unable to find work in that particular field. So, instead, she did what was considered day jobs, like cleaning the homes of uh, white folks back in those days. So Washington at the time was a during John Thompson's youth, was a segregated city. So um, in fact, he even said he didn't speak it uh, to a white person until he became a teenager. Um, the whites would play basketball at Jeliffe Boys Club League. And the blacks would play at Police Boys Club, and John was a was a tall kid, so it was thought that he should take advantage of his height by playing basketball. So that's what John proceeded to do. And while playing at the Police Boys Club, uh, he met James Jabo uh, Kenner. He he was. Kind of like one of those figures there. Kind of a father figure, sort of. And um, and there was uh, him that he also uh, trained uh, other kids. Like, you may have heard uh, some of these kids. Marvin Gaye, the singer from Motown. And Sugar Ray Re- Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard, so... Um but Jabbo was well known. he was a devout man of Christ, from all the details I've read about him, so and uh, he was one of those figures that kind of took John under his wing and- sh- showed him the ropes, sort to speak, so John struggled though, keeping up with his fellow students during. Due to his inability to read. According to his 6th grade teacher. Uh, Her name was. Miss Samata Jackson. So. um, So his teacher saw that he couldn't read. So she suggested he. Get a reading specialist. Which he did. Which uh, his folks. uh, Ended up. uh, Getting him the help he needed in terms of reading and once that happened, that changed his life and had a huge impact on him later, especially as a coach. The fact that you believe in others and give them opportunities to be successful. So that carried with him throughout his life. So So again, uh, he used his height to his advantage by pursuing basketball. His, his mother Anna was adamant about John attending Catholic schools in order for him to get the best education and to challenge him academically. So, his parents invested in John's future very much so by sending him to Archbitch, Archbishop Carroll High School. One of those Catholic schools, and of course, you know, you have to have um, some dollars there to enroll your child there. So, so they did that for John. During his time at in at the high school, he really excelled uh, playing the center position. In fact, he led his team to three championship seasons, including a fifty-five game win streak. And this took place from 1958 to 1960. In his senior year, they went undefeated at 24-0. and 0. And that, oh, that's when it, within that championship season, of course. So, he made all-tournament team and was named second-team Parade All-American. Upon finishing his four years at Archbishop Carroll High School, he attended Providence. Um, At the time, there was three schools wooing him at the time. It was Providence, it was St. Joseph's, and St. John's. But he ended up attending Providence after being recruited by the coach there, Joe Mullaney. In his junior year, he, along with senior guard Ray Flynn, led, led the Providence Fri- Friars to a 24-4 and record in a NIT uh, championship, which they won over Canisius. So, already, Big John <laughs> making the difference at Providence. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then by his senior year, he propelled the team to its first ever NCAA tournament appearance with a 20 and 6 record. And they happened to lose in the NCAA, well, in their first appearance, first round. They lost to Villanova, a team that was coached by no not coached by but had players such as rich moore and wally jones so so john graduates from providence with an economics degree so so he plays he uh stays the four years plays basketball three of those four years of course there's the rule that freshmen can't play with the varsity team so he has a way to least a sophomore. So. so his career average in his career record there, we'll talk about that. His t- under hit under him playing, the team went 64 and 16. In the three years of him playing, he averaged 19.2 points per game, 13.4 rebounds over 53 percent from the field and 64 and percent from the free throw line so as he graduated he was number one in, in points scoring average and field goal percentage he was second in rebounds to jim uh had not. so so John Thompson, high up on the charts in terms of career stats at Providence. So, with that said, he ends up being drafted in the NBA's um, draft in in 1964. So, he was the third round pick, the 27th overall pick. And that pick was made by the Boston Celtics. So, also in this draft in 1964 was notable players such as Willis Reed, Paul Silas, who we actually I actually did a episode a player spotlight on him due to his recent passing. Uh, Wally Jones was in that draft, the same Wally Jones, his team lost to in the. NCAA Tournament, also Walt Hazard, he was actually the number one overall pick, Walt Hazard coming out of UCLA, and Joe, Joe Caldwell, Jeff Mullins, and Mel Counts, were also notable players in that draft. Arbac actually had his eye on John Thompson for a while, and you know red Arback, he always lays in the weeds to get his guy so and uh and he set his sights on john thompson and lo and behold he gets his player so he was drafted to be bill russell's backup which he did for two seasons oh by the way in those two seasons two NBA championships they would win in the 1964 65 season then following that up with the 65 66 season so John Thompson's first two years in the league two rings how about that so he was left on exposed though in the 1966 expansion draft and was picked up by the Chicago Bulls Chicago Bulls being a team just formed so the he so John Thompson ends up getting picked by Chicago but instead of going to Chicago to play John Thompson chose to retire rather than relocate to this new and foreign city uh, of Chicago. So, he preferred to stay in the Washington, D.C. area, which he did upon um, leaving the Celtics. He goes back home to Washington, D.C., and he actually took a job as a head coach and guidance counselor at St. Anthony's High School. Oh, by the way, he, during his time with the Celtics, he also, in his off time, earned a master's degree in guidance and counseling at the University of the District of Columbia. So, So, John Thompson already plotting out his future. So, so he comes back home and takes this job as the head coach and the guidance counselor at St. Anthony's High School in Washington, D.C. During his tenure there, his teams went 122 and 28 overall between 1966 and 1972. In fact, his team's rivaled Morgan Wooten in the powerhouse DeMatha High School that was the cream of the crop at that time. So, John Thompson making an immediate impact in terms of coaching basketball. So, Georgetown, in its search for a new coach in 1972... They began their search and it came down to three candidates John Thompson, Morgan Wooten, and a college assistant coach by the name of George Raveling. So, what ends up happening? The university gambles and takes a chance on John Thompson who only had six years of coaching experience, as opposed to Morgan Wooten, who's been coaching a while. And at least with George Raveling, he's been an assistant coach in a, a couple, actually more closely to home at Maryland. He was an assistant coach there. So, But the university... And actually, the president at the time at the university, the Reverend Robert H- uh, Hino, uh, he actually told this to John Thompson in the interview. He said, it'd be great if you get us to at least a, a NIT appearance here and there. So John Thompson, of course, setting his sights real high, but keeping it to himself, said yeah, I think i could I think I can do that. So lo and behold, what what takes place so. so upon John Thompson being hired, he had a few stipulations that he needed met for him to take the job. One of them was uh, that he was to be given some leeway in terms of his recruitment of players. Especially those who may not meet the university's admission criteria, so so he wanted a little leeway in that regard, and and also in correlation with with hit him setting the standard as far as the leeway with the players, one of one of his staff hires was Mary uh, Phelan. Mary Phelan was a former teacher and nun from his days at St. Anthony's High School. She, um, she, he hired her as his academic coordinator and then later he, he named her as an assistant coach and she was very instrumental in helping John Thompson with the players academic progress so so John and Mary worked hand in hand to assure that the players were getting the maximum out of their academic achievements so so with that said they hire him the school oh by the way went Prior to John Thompson's arrival, three and twenty-three, and their only tournament appearance at the time was in 1943. So, so he's the first black head coach at Georgetown. And Georgetown, its history is uh, Jesuit. Is of Jesuit um, origin, and the uni- university was built on the backs of slaves. So, um, so of course, this hire is that much more of number one, making progress in terms of um, in terms of a racial aspect. And, you know, just trying to build a bridge between the university and the city that it represents. So. so, with that said, he also, also among John Thompson's rules with the players, he required his players to wear a sports coat and tie when they traveled on the road, so... So, John Thompson early on equipping his, his uh, players to dress like gentlemen. So, uh, s- something that I don't think should be taken lightly, to be honest. And then his punishment for a player who skips a class, 5 a.m. practice. So, so John Thompson setting the rules pretty early. And then what happens on John's first day on this, on at, as this coach now, head coach of this university, his first day, a noose is left in his office. Oh, what a first day, huh? I mean, like, really? <laughs> Nonetheless, um, yes, yeah, so that's just a precursor of, uh, you know, few more things to come here and there so anyhow so after enduring a tough first two seasons uh things got off to a rocky a little bit of a rocky start for coach thompson the first season they started 12 and 14 his second season 13 and 13 but in year three they finally break through with a 18-10 and 10 record. And they actually made an NCAA appearance. So, already three years in, John Thompson surpasses the expectations of the university's president at the time. So, they would lose in the first round, though, to Central Michigan. A team that had... A player by the name of Dan Ralfield on the roster. Dan Ralfield. Solid NBA... Future NBA power, power forward. And a very good player, by the way. I need to do a spotlight on him one of these days. But I digress. Anyway. So, that was year three. But year three wasn't without controversy. During that season... Uh, They had an early losing streak, so it seemed like things were going south for the Georgetown Hoyas at the time. So someone took it upon themselves to hang a banner on the roof of the arena with a racial slur on it and requesting for John Thompson to resign, which, of course... John Thompson being who he is did not do so so and as they will say the rest is history so so in the 1975-76 season uh, he follows up the first NCAA appearance with a 21-7 record in another tournament appearance and this time he lost in the first round to Arizona so so the next two seasons despite having records of 19 and 9 and then 23 and 8 those teams somehow miss making NCAA tournament appearances but they did make two NITs One where they lost in the first round and one where they finished in fourth place. So so things are starting to slowly improve in Washington, D.C. with those Georgetown Hoyas. At the start of this 1977-78 season, John makes another revolutionary hire in hiring Laurie Michelle to his staff as a athletic trainer and in doing so you I mean guys you got to remember first of all he he hires Mary uh, uh, Phelan who eventually comes assistant head coach unprecedented at the time and then he also follows that up with hiring a female athletic trainer again unprecedented stuff here guys just wanted to make you aware of that so so in the school's last season as an independent they finished 24 and 5 24 and 5 and and they also have um they finally get a NCAA tournament appearance so and this would start guys a streak of 14 straight NCAA appearances so so things are starting to turn guys things are starting to turn around oh by the way this is the nineteen seventy. 879 season so so they finished 24 and 5 NCAA appearance and oh by the way this year is Sleepy Floyd's first his freshman year so Sleepy Floyd one one of his first big time stars at Georgetown University so and that team lost in the second round to Rutgers. Rutgers had a guy on there by the name of James Bailey. Very good big man at the time. So, so Georgetown loses there. So Georgetown, along with Syracuse, St. John's, eventually Yukon, also Boston College, Seton Hall, and Providence, they band together to join the Big East Conference. So, this is the start of something glorious, guys. The Big East Conference. Uh, oh, by the way, if you ever get a chance, watch the 30 for 30 on the Big East. Such rich rich history there. Uh, you should definitely give that a listen. Well, a watch, rather. So, in their first season in the Big East, 1979-80, the team goes 26 and 6. They finish tied for tied for third in the division with a 5 and 1 record. They are the regular season and conference champions and they make an NCAA appearance. They, However, they do win in the second round. See, back in those days, you get a bye depending on your record. So their record was so good at the time, they got a bye. So they in the second round, they faced Iona and beat them. Iona had Jeff uh, Rutland on that squad. Jeff Rutland was a burly center, very good player. And then in the East Regional Semifinals, they beat Maryland. Maryland had Buck Williams, a very good NBA power forward, and Albert King, the brother of Bernard King. So they beat that team. They did lose, however, in the Eastern Regional Finals to Iowa. Iowa at the time was coached by Lute Olsen. So, the team in the final AP poll finishes 11th. So, so, right now, John Thompson got this thing swinging in the right direction, guys. In the 1980-81 season, they go 12, 12 losses but 20 wins. Finishing second in the Big East that year. They lose, however, in the first round to James Madison. Then comes 1981-82. But before we even get to that... No, we'll just deal with it. So, what happens is... During the 1980... Well, the 1979-80 season... While scouting one player at, at a high school, he discovered a sophomore center playing at the time. Who would eventually be his defensive anchor in a key chess piece in his championship quest. And that center name was Patrick Ewing. So, so and fast forward to 1981-82... It's Patrick Ewan's freshman season at Georgetown, which becomes a, a full-fledged success, guys. The team finished 30-7. They finished second in the Big East, and here's how their tournament run went. They won in the second round, beating Wyoming in the regional semis. They beat Fresno State. Fresno State at the time had uh, Rod Higgins. Rod Higgins, a swing man who was pretty good back then in college. Uh, Then in the regional finals, they beat Oregon State. Oregon State had a star player in Lester Conner. Then they went to the final four. In the final four, oh by the way, he is he becomes the first African American head coach in to coach a final four team. So, uh, more on that later when we talk about the quotes and so forth. So, but nonetheless, they beat Louisville And Louisville had the McCray brothers, Rodney and Scooter, as well as Derek Smith. They had a very good team. Then they make it to the NCAA Finals for the first time in school history. Well, Final 4-2 first time in school history. They lose, however, to North Carolina 63-62. So one point loss to North Carolina. North Carolina coached by Dean Smith. And had such players as James Worthy, who was the star of that team at the time. They also had a young Sam Perkins. And a freshman by the name of Michael Jordan. Who happened to hit the clinching shot for the win, by the way, guys. So, But... Georgetown did give North Carolina a run for its money. In fact, the first four the first four baskets they made were off of Gold Tins by Patrick Ewing. I'll talk more about that when we do the uh, quotes from John Thompson. But yeah, so and they had their chance to win. They had their chance to win but when Fred Brown inadvertently throws a pass directly to opposing player James Worthy, thus sealing the victory for North Carolina, John Thompson immediately embraces Fred Brown to let him know that, sure, you know, you you made this turnover, but, um me embracing you let you know that it's this is bigger than basketball itself so a very noble gesture by John Thompson so with that said they they lose in the NCAA finals so now we go to 1982-83 in that year in comes two freshmen Michael Jackson who will be their uh, point guard of the future as well as David Wingate, uh, also a a uh, integral piece to what John Thompson's trying to do there so they finished 22 and 10 they finished fourth in the Big East this this time They win in the first round, beating Alcorn State, but lose, however, in the second round, facing Memphis State, who had a phenom at the time, Keith Lee. So, oh, in the 1981-82 season, they finished sixth in the final AP poll. By So, and in 1982-83, they finished 20th in the final final AP poll but during this season sophomore Patrick Ewing endured a lot of racial taunts and abuse from opposing fan bases even from his own fan base for crying out loud Uh, some of those fan bases include Providence Villanova Boston College and this is what John Thompson had to say upon dealing with all this Sooner or later, I'm going to tell my players to go up and get the sign and then see what happens. So, John Thompson not taking the foolishness that's going on there. So, let's continue. In 1983-84, this is what I consider John Thompson's finest season as a coach. Team finishes 34 and 3, finishing first in the Big East. And this was the freshman years for Reggie Jackson and a Burl, a big man that didn't take any wooden nickels, as the older folks would say. Michael Graham. And that set the wheels in motion, guys. So this is how their tournament ended up. They had a first round bye. They won in the second round beating SMU. SMU at the time had a center named John Koncak. In the regional semis, they would beat UNLV. Who had Richie the animal uh, Adams at the time? Uh, the regional finals, they beat Dayton. Dayton had a strong team at that time. Uh, Cedric Tony was on that squad. And also, who else was on that team? Cedric Tony, who I can remember right now. So, on to the Final Four. So he makes a f- Final Four his second in three years facing Kentucky. Kentucky had a strong squad with Sam Bowie, Mel Turpin. But Georgetown prevails beating Kentucky. Thus making it to the Final Four in an epic battle between Georgetown and Houston, the Houston Cougars. Houston Cougars at the time had what was called Five Slamma Jamma. That was a terrific team, guys. That team had uh, Akeem Elijah on, Alvin Franklin, and Michael Young. So actually, they had. Uh, Clyde Drexler had just graduated the year before. So, but but Guy Lewis the coach there still had a monster team but Georgetown prevailed over Houston 85 to 74 thus John Thompson re- gets the brass ring he becomes the first African American coach to win a NCAA championship so and I'll read the quote again. he has a pretty profound quote for for this accomplishment, but uh, basically the the sum of it is saying that he got the opportunity because others did not so and of course, this paved the way for other coaches to uh also uh, african American coaches to win NCAA championships just a few to name Nolan Richardson of the University of Arkansas Tubby Smith who coaches who coached at Kentucky and got a championship and more recent more in recent history Kevin Ollie got one with UConn so but nonetheless John Thompson making history here and thus putting georgetown officially on the ncaa map and they finished that year actually number two in the final ap poll so then we go on to 1984-85 season and how do they follow that up they go 35 and 3 finishing second in the Big East they uh and here's how their tournament run went they won in the first round beating Lehigh then in the second round John Thompson faces his his friend John Chaney and his Temple Owls and they beat them They move on to the regional semis where they beat Loyola of Illinois. And on that team was Alfredric Hughes, who was an outstanding, outstanding basketball player. And the Hoyas were able to beat them. Regional finals... They faced Georgetown. Georgetown was a solid team at the time. Bruce Dow Ripple. They had him there. Mark Price and John Sally. And Georgetown was able to beat them. Then they move on to the Final Four. The Final Four actually had three Big East teams in the Final Four. One of which was St. John's, who Georgetown beat in the Final Four. And that team had, of course, Chris Mullen was on that squad, Walter Berry, and Bill Winnington. So, uh, they, ha- they hadn't got Mark Jackson, I believe he came a year after. So, But they were able to beat St. John's in the Final Four. And then in the NCAA Finals, they actually lost to Villanova 66-64. to And what many call the perfect game that Raleigh Massimino and those Villano- Villanova Wildcats put together. Uh, that squad had Ed Pickney, du- Dwayne McLean and some out-of-this-world shooting from a guy named Harold Jensen. So, so let this sink in, guys. And then I'm going to cut it off here, and then we'll finish with the rest of his history and so forth. Let this sink in. They make three, three NCAA Finals. Win one, lose one by a point, lose the second one by three points. So basically, three points separates, separated them from being three-time NCAA champions. Let that sink in, guys. And that's three within a four-year period. That's some outstanding stuff, guys. So, And this would happen to be... Patrick Ewan's final game, that Villanova game. So, So guys, I'm going to cut it off there. I still have more to get to, including John Thompson staging a protest over uh, a NCAA rule that I will explain on the other side. Also... How he had to confront uh, a, not- a notorious figure to keep away from his players. And also how he recruited a young troubled man who he basically turned his life around. And that young man becomes a- eventually becomes a Hall of Famer. And much more. So I'll have that on the other side. Alright guys. So. Once again, I thank you for listening. And again, if you like what you're hearing, guys, you can drop a review on my website, all things basketball with gd.com. I'm also on Apple now, Apple Podcast. You can leave a review there. YouTube, this will be there in due time. And you can leave comments and definitely like the like the episode, hit the like button. Alright guys, so with that said, we'll come back with the second half of the John Thompson Player Spotlight. Alright, until then guys, take care. So my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com You can also email me at that's sportsdougd at gmail.com To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal and that email is that at gmail.com Also on my Anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.